Hello, and welcome back to the Country Intelligence Report. We are your hosts, Spencer Bentley, Devin Florzak, and Terrell Cummings. Today, we are going to be discussing ethics in defense contracting. Um, this is a conversation that I think every defense contractor, every small business really can um, can draw some wisdom from because um, when it comes to ethical considerations, there are many, many conflicts of interest with uh, within business settings um, that it can be difficult to navigate sometimes. And um, it can be especially uh, troublesome when you run into larger actors that uh, may be not working um, above the board. So uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and dive right into it. First question I have is how important our ethics and defense contracting, you know, just regarding integrity, accountability, the impact on national security throughout the entire process, uh, especially when obtaining new work. And for this, I'd really like for us to sort of discuss the complexities that might come up um, during the entire process that can be from bidding to the pre-award phase and, um, you know, how these different circumstances can uh, sort of enable conflicts of interest and in, in other ethical considerations or or ethical um, crossword crossroads. Part of me that we have to uh, navigate. Um, so I'll just throw this out to the to the team here. You know, just to start out, you know, how important are ethical considerations in defense contracting? Yeah, I mean, to me, it's is extremely important. I think to, to our company as well. You know, we really, really like doing things, you know, by the book and, you know, making sure that, you know, we can have good faith and, you know, not only the work we're putting out, but our process for getting that work. And, um, yeah, as, as far as, you know, what we sort of see during the, you know, pre-award phases and while we're bidding on items, you know, there, there's all sorts of complexities that do come out, you know, regarding when we're having FaceTime with, you know, government leaders about certain work that might come out or um, just hearing, you know, hints about new work that might come as, come out as well. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things I think have a gray area, and you have to be really careful as a company, especially as a small business where you might not have, you know, much legal counsel to work with, you know, some of these gray area items. One of the things that, you know, I've seen, you know, within the last couple of months and, you know, being in the defense contract industry for a couple of years now is that it seems like, you know, these, these conferences that we go to, um, there, there's a lot of information that is shed at these conferences and, to me, it seems like, you know, some of it might not want to be shared and some of it might be more better shared in a classified setting, uh, especially, you know, there's there's some conferences that we've attended that have specific, you know, classified sessions where you're, you're sitting there for, you know, four to six hours in a, a classified area, you know, offsite from the conference discussing these things. But some of the things that, you know, we've attended in the last couple of years have, have definitely seen that. You know, some of the government folks speaking have, have brought up items that, you know, maybe should have been classified or or things that should have been, you know, held until, you know, it's been released and cleared to the public, you know, in regards to like new work that was coming up. And, you know, our, our role as a defense contractor is, you know, I guess we can sort of take some of these things into consideration. 
Um, but we, we just have to really be clear about our, our own role and, and make sure that, you know, anything that, you know, we're speaking on at least is, is classified and, and good to go from our end. I agree. And, you know, especially being in the defense space, you learn very quickly that, um, discretion is, uh, part of the trade craft. Um, you are going to be privy to a lot of knowledge that, um, really, um, it's, it's, it's not just sensitive, but it's, it's, um, you know, it, it has the potential to be, um, uh, you know, incredibly important or, um, detrimental to a lot of different aspects of, of, uh, the organization you may be working with, things like that. And, um, I think it comes down to within your company, having a, uh, an open dialogue, uh, about certain things and, um, ensuring that your staff is knowledgeable about, um, the, the nature of the work that they're in, um, best practices, especially when it comes to classified information, things like that. Um, you really uh, have to take it uh, upon yourself as a, as a business to uh, educate your staff and, and um, you know, hold that accountability internally. Because once you're facing the client, um, you know, that the, the, you have to, you have to remember that the client is uh, acting in the best interests of, of the government. So, um they're going to rightfully so um, always uh, be sort of clocking your movements and and listening intently on, on what mm-hmm. you're saying and uh, the type of information that you're you're sharing with them. So um, yeah, knowledge is, yes, is especially key in here. you know social settings, you know outside of conferences or you know maybe that would have been a little bit more prevalent if we were all more in the office uh, more often, but. Um, you know, one, one thing that I think was definitely pressed on us was that, or at least I think we're all aware of that, you know, we, we can't really actually, you know, buy dinner or buy drinks or, you know, essentially I, I think the technical or legal term is exchange gifts with the client and, and government folks. Um, you know, something that was explained to me at least very early was that, you know, we can, we can go out and, you know, interact with our, our clients and our, you know, our government folks that we you know work with day to day. But when it comes to, you know, actually paying for something or, or doing favors, you know, that's, that's definitely a no, no. Um, and I, I think that's something that, you know, obviously, like I said, you know, we're all pretty much still remote, but I'm assuming that, you know, a lot of that stuff still goes on where, you know, favors are being done by, you know, certain contracting groups and, you know, for these, these government folks. And, you know, if you, if you want to say, you know, quote unquote ethical and, you know, within, within your own bounds as a being a good company, then, you know, you can't really be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all heard of that. No, please. I think it's one of those things you got that, yeah, in that situation, definitely tread lightly, you know, because I feel like a lot of the the government entities that may have certain uh, stereotypical thoughts about contractors, in the first place. So, you know, especially I think around the, the NCR, the DC area, they're like, okay, contractors, contractors, you know, seen as being kind of slimy or just going after money or doing money grabs or whatnot. And so they already have like the, the notion that, all right, they're going to come in. They won this contract. They're just up to get the money. They're not going to do quality work. 
you know, are they going to be worth keeping or bringing on for like the other option years or whatever? They already have that negative connotation and negative stereotypes about that coming into it. So obviously you're trying to make the good first impression, but you're not trying to do anything that's unethical. You know, you have your guidelines for your company you want to follow. We also want to show the client that, yeah, you know, we're for real. We're serious about our job. We're serious about our work. Then we're serious about our relationship with you coming into it and you, know, you just got to show that you're accountable on what you're doing on your end and show that your company follows suit of, of what your leadership does. So it's one of those things you have, you have to keep in mind as far as that there as well. Agreed. Yeah. And I think we, we all know of some bad actors in the space and um, unfortunately, you know, uh, human nature is such that, uh, you know, there can be those, uh, situations where awards are granted on the strength of relationships rather than the strength of, uh, you know, competency or um, ability to, you know, handle the workload. Um, and it can be frustrating, especially for, you know, a small business like ours um, that, you know, we, we, we go above and beyond at every opportunity we can. Um, and sometimes um, just the, the opaque nature of of the contracting process um, can can leave you with a lot of questions. But um, I think it is important that uh, you know companies understand, especially small companies, that your reputation precedes you. Um, and unfortunately, it is the the case that a lot of contractors um, that uh, you know take aim um, of the the government. Uh, you know, a few of them have poisoned the well. They have, um, you know, uh, a lot of the, the reputations, um, frankly, can be warranted <laughs> for how some contractors act in this space. Um, and, you know, the only way to overcome that that sort of uh, obstacle uh, with, you know, uh, in sort of ingratiating yourselves to the, to the client, the government is to just do quality work and, and keep everything above the board. Um, ensure that you are instilling ethical practices in your team. Um, and then, you know, that, that, um, that effort will become self-evident in, in, in the type of, uh, work that you're trying to, uh, to execute and the type of clients that you're trying to secure. So, um, yeah, definitely. Um, it's a, it's an ongoing process, I think, for, for all of us to ensure that we're maintaining those high ethical standards. Um, and, you know, on that, you know, I just want to, you know, I guess broadly ask, how, how do we remain committed to being ethical, especially once we secure the new work? Um, because it can be very easy for, uh, you know, companies to, to talk a good game. Um, but then once you have the work once you're locked into the contract um you can't really take your foot off of the gas in terms of you know um acting on on your strong ethical foundation um and i'd like to just discuss this in regards to you know how we remain ethical throughout the entire contract execution um you know that can be delivering on commitments um it can be you know quality assurance um you know, all of those sort of uh, uh, gray areas that are sort of in between the dealings on how we interact with the client. You know, what, what are our thoughts? I think it's a, a two-way street regarding, you know, us as a company being ethical versus, you know, our clients and, you know, the federal government employees and those that are in the military being ethical as well, to, you know, to their contractors. 
And, you know, just talking about, you know, us initially, um, you know, it, when we do win that new work, you know, it's, it's on us to, you know, be sure that we can complete each of the task areas and make sure that, you know, when we do have status reports out that, you know, we do include our tasks and we, we do include, you know, what we actually did and that we're also up front with, you know, any issues that we might have ran into. Um, and, and going back on the, the client side as well, I, I think it's up to them to, to make sure that, you know, they do actually read the contract that, you know, they signed and, and they approved. And it's, it's on them as well to, to make sure that, you know, they're, they're assessing us and, you know, making sure that, you know, our stuff is up to standard as well. And use tools such as um, the, the CPAR system, which is a contractor performance assessment reporting system. Use tools that, you know, they have access to. Uh, to report, you know, whether or not we're doing a good job and, and being honest and upfront with that. Um, and I think, you know, just being, uh, you know, the, the, the key theme there is just, um, you know, being upfront, you know, both ways, you know, like I said, whether, you know, we as the contractors are having issues or, you know, them as the clients having issues because, you know, once, you know, one of us goes off the beaten path and that, that's not really good for anyone. I agree. And, um, you know, it is crucially important. And I think that, uh, especially a lot of smaller contracts will attest to this. It's, like you said, Devin, it's crucially important that, that the client understands what is to be expected. Um, you know, um, I, it, it's very easy to run into situations where, um, due to a lack of communication, there is a misalignment in expectations. Um, and you know, that, that can, uh, unfortunately those, those conversations are always going to be biased towards the client. Um, you know, just because they're the ones that are writing the checks, they're the ones that are, are, um, judging the, the, the quality of work and things like that. Um, and, uh, it, it, can uh, create some tensions and it can create uh, some some misalignments that can escalate um, r- rather quickly. Um, so you know, for for businesses in this space, it's it's as important that we're continuing to communicate our competencies and communicate expectations and, and ensure that expectations are aligned throughout the duration of each process, uh, you know, from, from the bidding to, you know, winning the contract to executing the contract, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of incumbent upon the, the companies to ensure that, uh, there's transparency, um, uh, you know, that, that, uh, the expectations are laid flat and, and bare on the table so that, um, you know, there isn't any issues down the road, which uh, is not uncommon. Um, especially even, uh, I'd say, uh, more so in, in the longer term contracts or the more complex contracts where, um, companies can get sort of pigeonholed into a certain set of tasks, uh, and just due to, you know, turnover or, um, uh, just simply lack of communication on the client side, um, you know, that, that you can lose sight of, of what the expectations are. I'll say it like that. Um, so yeah, that, it's, that's an important thing. I also think that I think it also comes down to on the, the small business side, you know, the leadership that they communicate to their teams, you know, 
here's a, here's what our expectation is for work. Here's what our expectation is of how we run as a company, you know, and like, this is, this is where we want to hold it. Like, yes, the client, you know, holds it here in our bid. We said that we do this, this, and that. We want to make sure we do this to the utmost standard as far as doing that. And like I said, there, you know, there can be a lot of turnover, you know, in, in, in this world as far as that. So this is something where make sure everybody's on the same page when they come on, make sure the new individuals that are coming in, if they've come into the contract, you know, get the appropriate training, uh, get understand the type of work that, where that we expect as a company and, you know, just make sure that they can, they can fall in line and provide that same amount of, uh, I guess, quality, you know, overall that we, that we set out to the client that we could do in the first place. And that way they have, the client has confidence in us, you know, they may expand our contract that we're currently on or may suggest, Hey, there's another contract that's going to be coming up. We want you guys to put in a bid for it. We think it'd be good for it. You know, whatever it is, because a lot of times getting new work is going to be that referral from your current client, whether it's more work for them, or maybe they refer you to another client, you know, that, that could be just ways you can expand your business. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, great points there. And, um, you know, it is the case that, you know, maintaining high ethical standards is, uh, is a, a task. It's an effort. Um, it's an effort and often, um, and this is especially true in the private sector, um, that, you know, that companies I used to work for, um, companies my my some of my older colleagues work for um oftentimes that that effort <clears throat> pardon me that effort to maintain high ethical standards can run into conflict with making a profit and being profitable and being competitive on the open market um and you know it it's a sort of a different beast with with defense contracting but um those tensions are still certainly aligned there uh where you know it can um be difficult to uh, maintain a focus on on you know creating profit uh, for shareholders, continuing to grow as a company, while still enforcing a very high ethical standards that sometimes you know, especially in the defense space, can have legal ramifications to them. You know, um, it's it's not uh, you know we we work in a highly regulated space, so um, I just want us to discuss the tension between you know, especially in the defense space, being ethical and making a profit and, um, you know, how some, you know, ethical compromises may arise when profitability becomes the sole focus um, uh, of, of a company, um, especially in the defense space. Yeah. When, when uh, we, we were taking a look at you know, our outline here and seeing you know, what we might want to say, I was just thinking about the movie War Dogs which I don't know if you guys, you guys have all, all seen that. Um, but, you know, you know, the, oh, yeah. the one thing obviously that they're doing is that, you know, they're taking on multiple contracts at a time with only, you know, two people, um, which, you know, honestly, that, that seems like it, it, there are probably are some companies that are doing that right now, especially in the re- remote age of, you know, everyone's doing telework. You know, there are some contracts that are enforcing some sort of hybrid schedule, um, but at least for the work that's remote, I could see where that would be rather easy to do right now. And I, I think that just sort of falls back on, you know, the the cores and the, the folks working at the contracting office to do their due diligence on who they're actually hiring. 
uh, and make sure that, you know, no one's really double dipping and they actually have, you know, the staff to support the work that they're approving. Um, because, you know, as we know, you know, once, once a, once a contract is signed, it's, it's pretty tough to get out of it, at least from the government, you know, point of view, you know, they have to provide real reasons on, on, as to why, you know, they don't feel like the work is being fulfilled um, or, or some other reasons. And, and that's really tough to get by. Um, but, you know, that, that's the one thing that I thought of where, you know, obviously, you know, most companies aren't doing that. I'm sure there are, definitely are some that are doing that right now. But, you know, again, that I just think that kind of falls back on, you know, the government, people working at, working the contracts to make sure that they actually, you know, do their work and do their job um, that they should be doing to, to make sure that everything is looking good when they do approve a contract. Yeah. And, you know, I think just on the, on the, the business side that you have to understand, like I said earlier, that your reputation precedes you. And if you want to have a long lifespan in this industry, you have to understand that the, you know, there are going to be uh, those compromises where you have to put your ethical standards over short-term profitability, because in the long term. um, you know, that that's how you grow. That's how you uh, establish trust with the client. That's how you um, build upon relationships that, that pay dividends into the future. Uh, if you want your company to outlive you, you know, if you're, if you're looking to establish a true company, that's not just, um, you know, uh, an entrepreneurial mm-hmm. hobby for the time uh, being, you know, this is a very small world that we operate in. Um, and once your your name gets tainted, it's very hard and to shake that stigma. Yeah, uh, especially yeah, as a small especially company. as a small company like this. This I feel like only really applies to federal contract groups that have a small business set aside or these smaller mid to small companies. Um, to me, I, I think it's it's a dilemma though for the large companies because I, I feel like the federal industry as a whole is too reliant on you know Booz Allen and all the big contracting guys where. You know, maybe they can get away with some of the shady stuff because, you know, what's the government going to do? Contract or cancel out all the contracts, the billions of dollars worth of work that these companies are doing that support national security. So I think that's right. that's a real dilemma. Um, right. And that just further proves, I think, you know, there, there needs to be even more work dedicated to these small businesses to, to sort of avoid these conflicts of interest um, from these larger companies. Definitely. It's yeah, a, it, that's it, a, it is small the case. Businesses. Oh, sorry. So no, this small, that small businesses should look out for too when they're partnering with other companies. You know, make sure you do your due diligence as well because you know if it's out there in the in the community, you know, these companies are seen as unethical or being kind of shady or whatnot. Then all of a sudden you're partnering them on a particular contract and your name is lumped in with them. Then all of a sudden that could take your your name as well. So just those Very small true. businesses make sure you're out there and you're doing your due diligence prior to actually partnering with with someone on a particular bid. It is. Yeah, that's that's incredibly true. Yeah. Um, Because once you make uh, that that connection, uh, it's it's very difficult to shake that association. And, you know, it is the the case that um, there's certainly a double standard. Um, And unfortunately, small businesses just have to kind of play the game because, you know, the larger corporate corporations. Yeah. At this point, the larger corporations that operate in the defense industry, um, they've they found ways, um, you know, to, to their credit and, 
you know, at, at just from a capitalistic point of view, it is to their credit. They found ways to ingrain themselves within the the structures of the the you know national security enterprise in such a way that um, you know they you can't just exclude them. You can't just cut them off. You can't just um, uh, stop utilizing their services. And it, it takes quite a lot uh, for them to be held accountable because they, over the years, over the decades, have just mm-hmm. ingrained themselves in everything from, you know, the technological requirements to the the politicians that, that support these contracts, you know, um, you know, these larger, you know, the big uh, defense contractors have found a way to sort of um, enmesh themselves into every aspect of yeah. the federal government. So they have that leeway that small businesses yeah, and, simply and, and don't back have. The war dogs again, you know, those, those two individuals in their group was, you know, barred from doing business with the federal government for, I think it was like 15 years. I think, uh, I'm pretty sure this is the year that they can actually bid on, on contract work again. So I, I thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, if you get, if you watch the movie again, really? they they do that little synopsis oh. at the end, and uh, they give the date. And I'm pretty sure it's, it was sometime in 2023. So it's kind of it's kind of wild looking back at that movie and be like, oh, hmm. man, this year it's 2023. Um, but yeah, but I mean, that wouldn't be surprised if we saw that. that, that I think is like pop up. again, like that's that's the issue though, is that you know the U.S. government can can bar you know smaller companies like that from doing business, and it's relatively easy to do that. And it's a lot more complicated when, you know, you, you got the, the giant corporations, you know, that might be doing something shady where if they're a small business, you know, it, it, would, it wouldn't even be like a, a consideration. It would just be you know, an automatic, you know, ban or fine, which we know that, you know, all these large contracting companies have gotten at least fined before. But that's really all the, the, the government can do. You know, they can't they can't really bar them from doing business because, you know, they seem so reliant on them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and reliant in ways that have direct national security implications, which I think is a, uh, I mean, now we're getting into the politics of things, which we won't touch too much on, but it's, it's, uh, it is an unfortunate, uh, circumstance that, um, we have become an overly, overly reliant on, on very few actors in this space. Um, but again, you know, just bringing it back full circle, this is why ethical considerations need to be paramount in small businesses because, um, you know, just because these, these large corporations are, are deeply enmeshed, uh, into the, the fibers of, of, of national security doesn't mean that, um, you know, decision makers on the client side necessarily like that. Um, you know, we, we speak to many people that are dissatisfied on the client side with larger organizations, larger, uh, contractors, um, just dissatisfied with the quality of work with the, their, the, you know, the reliability, um, maybe some ethical considerations. So, uh, in order to really create that, um, that gap, uh, between you know expectations for your small business and the larger spaces, the larger corporations part of me, is to maintain that high ethical standard. You know, maintain high customer service values, maintain high quality product, um, and it it does show. It it doesn't it doesn't yeah. go unnoticed. Yeah, and, and you can um, see that you know per the, the numbers that have been released regarding you know how much federal contracts have been awarded to 
to small business and different sorts of size size within the last two years. You know, last year I think set a record for, you know, as far as the amount of money awarded to, um, in general for federal contracts, you know, a, a certain percentage, uh, I forget the exact percentage, but, you know, obviously there's a legal standard there for a certain percentage to go to small businesses or those are set asides. And I believe it, it exceeded that by a couple percentage points. And then you take a look at this year, the numbers were just released and, you know, <clears throat> even, even greater than, you know, the previous year, more money has been, you know, allocated to, to small businesses and those with other different set asides. So, you know, it's not going unnoticed that, you know, the work that we're doing as a as a small business here in the federal contracting space is not going unnoticed and just, you know, keep with it. Agree, agree. High ethical standards, people. Um, your reputation precedes you. That's all we have for now. Until next time, this is the Country Intelligence Report. Thank you for listening to the Country Intelligence Report. Please like and subscribe to stay on top of the latest developments with the show. For more information on the Country Intelligence Group, please visit our website at www.countryintel.com. You can also be found across multiple social media platforms at Country Intel.